And now, it's time for the biggest bonanza in podcasting. With Dominic Stern and Nicholas Hodell, this is the College Basketball Bonanza! And on this first episode of March, we welcome you into the College Basketball Bonanza. Dominic Stern is alongside me, Nicholas Hodell, and... Conference tournaments are in full swing, Dom. We we love to see it. We we really do. Yeah, I didn't realize this was our first episode of March because I guess we did record our last one on February 28th. Yeah, so yeah happy, happy March to all of our listeners. We thank you for making this your college basketball podcast of your choice. Or if you have multiple, we thank you for putting us in your rotation. We know there's a lot out there, and we know that we bring an excitement that not a lot of people bring in. It's March. It was hectic this week. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, even Saturday was nuts. Five yeah. one seeds lost. Five. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good luck. To, yeah. Good luck picking chalk in these conference tournament breakdowns because this is absolutely insanity. And it really started with the OVC tournament championship in which Moorhead State, I, I mean, this was a cruise for Moorhead State against Belmont. Um, really shocking really but more at state this team is hot and i suspect that they are going to be around a 15 maybe a 14 if they get lucky i know the threes and twos are exceptionally good but more at state's a team that i don't think any of them want to play i think more at state's going to give them a good fight no i i actually wouldn't be shocked if they end up uh, a 13 or a 14 seed and if anything like this keeps on coming up, there's going to be more and more teams that are like slated in front of them in terms of mid-major champions that are going to keep dropping. And if that keeps happening, Moorhead State, one of the better teams in terms of those rankings, only had three losses in conference play. They're going to keep moving up those ranks. I wouldn't be surprised if they're a 14 or a 13 seed. But yeah, like you mentioned, this team, they're very good. They're a great team. And we knew that they'd bring a challenge to Belmont. I don't think a lot of people would have projected them to win by double digits. So shout out to Moorhead State. They're the first auto clinch. Uh, you know, it's going to be tough. But like you mentioned, the teams that have a strong prowess defensively are typically the teams that can cause some update upsets in the first round. And you look at Ken Palm, 72nd in adjusted defense, and they run a very slow tempo. So it's going to be a close game. Like, that's almost a guarantee. Yeah. It's going to be close. The question is, can they make the shot? Can they get the rebounds? Can they stay out of foul trouble? If they can, very good chance that Moorhead State could be playing two games in March Madness. Yeah, and really, and really for, for me in particular, it is the teams that favor on the defensive side of the ball, much more so on the offensive side of the ball, that usually get these upsets. And Moorhead State absolutely fits that bill. They've had a couple of chances at the start of the year against some decent teams and were proceeded to not play as well against Ohio State and Clemson earlier in the season they also got absolutely crushed by Kentucky on the road to start this whole season but I think they are a much better team uh, than what they were and to really point that out this team started the season outside the top 300 in Kempom they're currently 128th that might be one of the most improved teams in the country and they're and they are now going into March Madness on the roll they're on yeah, this is an absolute team that you do not want to uh, come up with or, or at the very least give them an, an easy sort of slate. Uh, we move on from that uh, to talk about the Horizon League a little bit. 
I think the Horizon League tournament's going to be remembered for years. This tournament has been insane. And I mean insane. Tuesday was nuts. I mean, what is it? Every game was decided by like five or less points or had an upset. It was nuts. And I mean, Wright State, number one overall seed goes down. Cleveland State needed triple overtime, if I'm correct. Like, it was just nuts. And unfortunately for me, I was uh, taken aback by schoolwork, so I couldn't really watch any of these games. But, I mean, I saw all the highlights on Twitter because, of course, it was everywhere because this is March, and it was a great way to get bracket season started. Yeah, Cleveland State needed triple overtime. The one game that ended in regulation in Tuesday's quarterfinals was decided on a tip-in buzzer beater to win it for Northern Kentucky yeah. over Detroit Mercy. So that just shows you just how nuts this tournament was, which leads us into the Monday, Tuesday semis and finals. Cleveland State and Milwaukee, the 1-8 matchup. Oakland and Northern Kentucky, the 3-4 matchup. This is going to be uh, – if, if the quarterfinals are telling us anything, the semifinals should be absolutely thrilling. Yeah, no, I mean, this is March, Nick. This is exactly what we love. It's a bunch of teams fighting for bid steals. I mean, none of these teams are going to be at-larges, but right head, right State was expected to be the clear favorite in this. They're 66th, they're 66th in Kempom. No other team is in the top 140, and they get bounced round one. Now it's up to whether Cleveland State, Northern Kentucky, Oakland, or Milwaukee, teams we've seen take this conference bid the past decade or so i think we've all seen these teams in the past decade so they've been there before and that's what you gotta love about march these teams are all fighting for their season and all these teams were on the outside except for really cleveland state and now the the window door they're wide open moving on to the missouri valley conference chairman louis chicago and drake um in the championship game probably as soon as this episode goes out uh quite frankly uh but on Friday's quarterfinals, there was a bit of a mess with the Drake Northern Iowa um, quarterfinal ended up not being played. Uh, and the way the conference explained it, um, I thought was one of the more, um, let's just say, uh, things that probably should have been done uh, beforehand uh, as, as terms of the conference really just not having a grasp on, uh, on anything. I will uh, pull up the statement here and give everyone the uh, lowdown on this in case they ended up missing this. I got to scroll through a little bit, but the simple explanation is that the conference didn't realize that they are going to have to follow the city of St. Louis protocols, pretty much overriding their own that they had used throughout the course of the season, which was uh, quite something. And uh, here's really the statement that they made. Uh, they mentioned all the daily COVID testing uh, that, that the program has required. Uh, and beginning on March 3rd, they had uh, Mercy Corporate Health partnered with the conference to conduct a nightly PCR test of East Teams Tier 1 personnel at Enterprise Center in St. Louis. Uh, and for the MCC's championship of Enterprise Center, I'm not reading directly from the statement. This is related to the safe navigation of tournament player ultimately by the St. Louis City's Board of Health which includes the implementation of contract tracing guidelines outlined by the CDC in the city of St. Louis. Utilizing the city of St. Louis guidelines, contract tracing revealed that you and I did not have enough available players 
to compete. United other institutions, Oakland relied on conference policy that, that have been in place all season and were thought to be applicable here at the tournament. It's sure you know that you and I follow those procedures during and their, during their participation in the event. This is now coming from the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference. However, the city of St. Louis Board of Health Department COVID orders take precedence over MVC protocols, and none of our institutions were aware that this was in place. That's the key thing right there. In all prior communication we had with St. Louis local health authorities, we had clearly indicated that MVC adhere to CDC guidelines and NCAA re-socialization guidelines. What a mess. I mean, what a mess. Yeah, it really is. And it comes at the expense of you and I, which of course sucks for them. It's a brutal way to end what has really been a very down season for Northern Iowa. And yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned it was a mess. Thank God that there's only a couple more days. Like at the time, there were only a couple more days leading up into Arch Madness Championship, which is today on Sunday before we record. Should be a great game. But yeah, like you mentioned, a mess and it's a shame. Yeah. I mean, it's like, how do you not realize that someone else's protocols are going to take presence over yours basically right before something like that happens? I don't understand what the communication was there. Uh, I don't understand the type of conversations that were had, but clearly there was a disconnect between the city of St. Louis and Missouri Valley Conference in the communications. There was clearly a disconnect. You cannot have that disconnect, especially in a city like St. Louis, which if we're going to speak politically more liberal, which ultimately, politically speaking, leads to stricter protocols. I'm shocked that that did not come up uh, in any of the discussions, but to move on to the actual basketball Leo Chicago and Drake uh, in the title game. Win or lose, has Drake done enough to get in the field of 68? I said last week if they make it to the final and lose to Loyola Chicago, I think they should be a first four team. Give them a shot. Let them play to get into the field of 64. So that's what happened. Now, they didn't have to beat you and I to get to this point, but I think that they should get I think that they've done enough. They only lost three times all year. They started off, what, 18-0. I feel like you have to be able to reward that. Now, their schedule before that was, like, really bad, like one of the worst schedules in the nation. But they still started off 18-0. They're 25-3. and It's going to be hard to keep out a team that's 25-4 and when two of their losses are to one of the best teams in the net in Ken Palm and a ranked team. Now their losses to Valpo and Bradley – Certainly don't look good, but it's hard to not get tripped up on the road in a year like this. Absolutely. I think you're spot on with that assessment. Uh, I I think Drake has done enough um, to get in. Uh, I think that if they lose to Chicago, we're probably looking at them being the final team in the field. But regardless, they would be in. Uh, I I think they need some help, but... On the bracket matrix, they're currently an at-large team. They are the second 12 seed, only behind Xavier. And I, they, they, they need some help, but they need to look good against Loyola Chicago. Like, if they get decimated like they did in the first game, I think we'd be, we could be talking a little differently. But uh, hopefully I just dom jinx them. I pulled off a perfect dom jinx last episode. <laughs> but, you sure did. And, and the, I, the, I tried for that one, yeah. too. And the counterpoint I'll make to that is that you look at the matrix and the number of brackets that some of these teams are in. Uh, Michigan State at 82 brackets um, would probably be considered the last team in at this point. St. Louis is down there at 36 brackets in, and they're the first team out. So I think you see the gap 
as far as what the bracketologists mm-hmm. think anyway. And St. Louis can't do anything more. They're done. No, they're done. Yeah. And, and, and we'll talk about it uh, a little bit later on, but I don't think they, they find their way in whatsoever. Uh, and then yeah. St. Houghton, there are 33 brackets in, and then Syracuse is 17. There's clearly a big gap now between the, vo- the folks that are in and the rest of the field. The Northeast Conference Tournament, another one seed here went down in this one. Wagner losing to Mount St. Mary's, which gives us Mount St. Mary's and Bryant, the 4-2 matchup in Tuesday's final. It's funny that the Northeast Conference even tried to reduce their field given COVID-19 protocols and probably a good idea for mid-major conference to ensure you get your best team in there. <laughs> that didn't work to get your best team in. Well, I mean, I did this bracket breakdown uh, Friday night, so... I mean, I, I've looked at these teams pretty recently. And according to Kempom, Bryant is the much better team than Wagner. Bryant just had a COVID pause for almost half a month early in February. Didn't have a chance to really win the conference because they were much better than Wagner. And they beat Wagner twice. And I said on the on the breakdown, I think Bryant crushes Sacred Heart, which they did. And then the 1-4 matchup, you'd think if the 2-3 matchup is going to be a blowout, the 1-4 isn't. I said, no, it's not. It's going to be a close game. But I, I, I picked Wagner because they were the better team to Ken Palm. And they, they were the better team all year. And they'd found ways to win really close games all year. That's why they were the one seed in this conference, but much lower than Bryant, according to Ken Palm. But they, they just couldn't make their shots. They couldn't find a way to win that close game. They kind of ran out of their luck, you would say. So I wasn't too shocked to see Mount St. Mary's end up winning that game. But uh, they were one of the five one seeds that ended up falling, and I think Bryant will handle Mount St. Mary's pretty handily. Let's talk about the Big South tournament. Uh, it's Brooklyn and Campbell in the final, which will more than likely be done with by the time we uh, get get off uh, this recording and, and, and publish this episode uh, of the Bonanza. But Winthrop, a top 100 team in Kempom, going up against Campbell, who they've had some trouble with in the first game back in December 30. Beat them more handedly in game number two. Campbell outside the top 200 and Campbell at 17 and nine. I don't think that there is any danger for a team to really lose to Campbell should Campbell win against Winthrop. But Winthrop, on the other hand, they like to play fast. They, their defensive efficiency is better than their offensive efficiency as far as national rankings go. That's a team that, as far as that particular thing goes, has that blueprint for someone to lose to. Yeah, and it's funny because we were talking about Moorhead State and how they're defensively stronger than offense, which, of course, fits the bill for Winthrop. But like I said, with Moorhead State, they have a very slow tempo, so it's going to be a close game. They're going to try and draw out every single possession, limit the opposing team's possessions. But Winthrop, on the other hand, says, no, we're going to try and score as much, and we're going to try and just beat you down. And so Winthrop's a team that could kind of like blow you out if they they end up getting into the NCAA tournament. I think if Winthrop wins today – they will be a 12 seed and they're a very intriguing 12, five upset team because they've handled business all year, dropped one game to UNC Asheville, which isn't a terrible loss in terms of the big South. But I think that they they'll, they'll beat Campbell. I don't know if it's going to be a 10 point game just because all the pressure is going to be on Winthrop and Campbell's done their part so far. And they're a hot team. They haven't lost since February, uh, since February started. So yeah, I think this is going to be a great game. They, they, they murdered Radford and they, they beat Gardner Webb, who I know you picked to beat them. They're a very good team yeah. and they beat them by six. So I think that this could certainly be an interesting game. I mean, I'm going to take Winthrop, but I think it's going to be close and 
I'm curious to see how Winthrop looks because High Point, not the greatest team. Longwood, a little bit better. Campbell, I think, is definitely a little bit better than those two teams. So it's going to be a big eye test for Winthrop. They can handle them. Very intriguing upset pick for all of you upset pickers because if you're like me, you like your brackets to have a lot of upsets early on because there's no greater feeling than picking that 12 seed and no greater feeling than being in a bracket pool that rewards first round upsets more than just selecting your tournament winner. Cause if you choose ESPN for your bracket pool, you suck because the champion picking the champion is just as valuable as getting all 32 opening round matchups, right? And that's blasphemy. That is blasphemy. Shame on you, ESPN. And pretty much most bracket uh, bracket platforms for that matter, as you're going to yeah. go along well, with that. CBS lets you choose your scoring, Nick. We ah. stay in CBS Sports here on the bra- on the ah. College Basketball Bonanza podcast. That is very much known in my head. I did not know that. Um, yeah, Winthrop currently projected as the first 13 seed. I would imagine they will fall into the 12s after um, some other chaos happens, which as we've seen, it can and will happen. So I would firmly expect that Winthrop will eventually jump into uh, a 12 spot. Uh, the A-10 tournament, um, this one completely normal to absolutely everyone's surprise. After the last few years of the A-10 tournament have been bid steals, this year's not going to happen that way as it has gone pretty much completely chalk. Um, can't say I saw that one coming, to be quite honest. Uh, St. Louis, they did not perform as well as they should have. Now, and unfortunately for me, I did the A-10 bracket breakdown, and I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take St. Louis to go all the way. I think they're they're the most talented team, and they've actually, like, showed their talent on, like, Richmond. And I said, you know, what? I think St. Louis is going to upset St. Bonaventure, and I couldn't have been more wrong on that one, Nick. Ended up losing by 18. I think both these teams, St. Bonaventure and VCU, have played themselves into the field. I think VCU's probably on the 11 line if they lose to St. Louis on Selection Sunday, because it's really weird that they made these teams have a very long pause between the two games. I don't like that just because I feel like you got to let it play out and that's not what they're ending up doing, but uh, it's going to be a fantastic game because we know VCU very strong defensive team. So is St. Bonaventure and these two teams have, you know, not fast tempo. So it's going to be a low scoring game. It's going to be tight, but yeah, like you mentioned, the A-10 tournament is normally just known for bid stealers. And the way the A-10 played itself out this year, it seemed like it was just going to be a madhouse. And it just hasn't been, which yeah. is kind of it's kind of disappointing. But at the same time, like, it, it's good to see, like, a tournament play out by itself. But, yeah, you know, those eight days in between, that's got to be, that's going to be a very nervous eight days for both of those teams, knowing that you could get yourself into an automatic bid position uh, in eight days' time. Um, and we mentioned the long break too. And I'll tell you who that long break did not pay off for. That was the America East Conference. They wow. gave UNBC from out to the one and two seed to buy straight to the semifinals on March 6th when most of the other teams had to play the week before to earn the way to the semis. Well, the team that had the most, the most playing time in the recent spots, well, they beat the one and two seats. Um, and I had mentioned this that it was very interesting to see how both of those teams would, would do given, given the long layoff. And it turns out not very well. Now, Nick, I know this isn't good podcasting, but can we hold a moment of silence for UNBC, please? Oh, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, r- really sad. And the conference ended up failing their two best teams. Now Hartford is not a bad team and UMass Lowell, they certainly looked very impressive against 
uh, UMBC. So I think that it's going to be interesting to watch these two teams play because frankly, the way these teams perform in the regular season doesn't warrant them playing for a chance to play in March, but another one of those instances where those teams like when throw up in Moorhead state, if stuff like this keeps happening in these mid majors, those top teams are going to keep climbing up the seed rankings. And I look forward to watching Hartford play UMass Lowell next Saturday. One team's better on offense. That's Hartford or sorry, that's UMass Lowell. And the other team is better on defense and that's Hartford. So should be an interesting matchup. And you know, it's always going to be fun watching two teams play that if you would ask anyone a week ago, these two teams would have been done by now, but Hey, they're still playing for their right to play against the big boys. Yeah. And for Lumas, they had previously never even won a postseason game in division one. So for them, oh, wow. if they could, if they could win the Americas tournament, absolute respect for them, especially given that they had to play uh, an extra game in, in their particular playoff pod. They were not given the advantage of being uh, even a home team of uh, a home team, unlike Hartford was. So both of these teams had to go through the entire gun of their playoff pods. They had to win those to get into a semifinal. They had to win their semifinal on the road. And now they have an opportunity to win a conference tour that will give them an automatic bid. I would surely think they'll be in the first four and whoever they come up against could be interesting. We will have to see. The A-Sun tournament has really come to a crazy conclusion with North Florida, Bellarmine, and Linscombe all bowing out in the first round. And with Liberty being Stenson and North Alabama being Florida Gulf Coast, it means that Liberty's already locked up their A-Sun automatic bid. The North Alabama still will be transitional period, which means they're ineligible for the NCAA tournament. By the way, the transitional period. Really? Big L, NCAA, big L. <laughs> but, but why also, why are they playing in the conference tournament if they can't make it to the exactly. NCAA? Like, like is, I'm not trying to, like, you know, suppress North Alabama because, like, they should, they should be able to play in the conference tournament because – they should be able to make the NCAA tournament. But at the same time, now North Alabama has just stolen a, a potential bid from Florida Gulf Coast. And, I mean, I want Dunk City or whatever whatever they're called. I want them to have a chance because who doesn't love a good Florida Gulf Coast team? Now, I mean, did they stand a chance against Liberty? Probably not. But they at least deserve a shot because they can at least make the NCAA tournament. So, big L. To, NC, to the NCAA, and Liberty, I know that they have that stronger offense, but ranked 85th in Ken Palm, and they have a very slow tempo, 348th in adjusted tempo, so they're going to play a really close game against whoever they face off in the tournament. Really weird that you just, it's not even worth watching, honestly, if you know that uh, if you know that they're going to move on and play in the NCAA tournament, so that that's just really weird, and this is a game that I frankly just probably won't watch today. Yeah, and North Alabama, a team that, quite frankly, has been through a lot of ups and downs. They have started this year 10-3, and 6-1 and one yeah. in an ace-down play. They then proceeded to lose seven in a row, including season sweeps against Florida Gulf Coast, Bowerman, and Liberty. And both those Liberty games were 74-54 scorelines, exactly. That's a statistical anomaly right there. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and then now, they've, they've after that losing streak, they, they beat Linscombe, which gave them a little bit of momentum. North Florida, they beat. Florida Gulf Coast they beat, and now they got looking at an A-Sun tournament championship game for them, which they are very bad offensively. So for them to score 96 points against Florida Gulf Coast, that right there is uh, pretty crazy. And so the transitional period is only three years, right? I think it's four, right? 
Oh, I mean, I, I don't know that much about the transitional period. I just know it exists. But this is North Alabama's third year in D1. So hoping that they can build off this momentum that they've kind of put themselves into uh, to end the season and they can make the tournament soon. The Sun Belt Tournament, the Fun Belt, uh, as, as a lot of people like to call it. Uh, Texas State got knocked off by Appalachian State. Um, that was a game that I was yelling on my TV. It's like, I highly suggest you win this Texas State, and they did not. Uh, so the West Division has kind of been in an um, interesting position to where they had only three in the quarterfinals. The East Division's five. Now the West Division is just down in Louisiana in the semis compared to three in the East Division. Uh, of course, we hate divisions in college basketball, but currently all the um, the bracket matrix showing Georgia State in the position of an automatic bid. It will get crazy with, with as it is right now. Bracketologists trying to catch up, but the moment Georgia State's projected a 15, but of course, all kinds of things can happen between now and then. So definitely a tournament to keep an eye on over the next couple of days. Yeah, and the bottom half of this bracket was the much stronger part of this bracket as I highlighted in the bracket breakdown for the Sun Belt. And so I wasn't too shocked to see Texas State fall off because they were one of the better teams in this conference, but I didn't want to pick them to win it because I knew that they would probably run into an upset-heavy team. Now, that team I expected to be Coastal Carolina, who will face Appalachian State, who beat Texas State. So that should be a good matchup there. But the shots have a very good chance of facing Georgia State in the final. Those are the two best teams in this conference, according to Ken Palm, after Texas State of course, drop their match to Appalachian State. So the fun belt coming to a fast end. We'll see who wins it. The Southern Conference Tournament, this has also been very crazy. Down went Wofford, down went Furman. And you get now a 6-7 matchup in the semifinals for a spot in the SoCon Championship game between Mercer and VMI, while UNC Greensboro will play East Tennessee State. Mercer, VMI. Really respect to both of those teams. We're taking out two of the better teams in the Southern Conference. They will have a very competitive game, I feel, but I don't think any of them should be able to challenge UNC Greensboro or even East Tennessee State for that matter. Even though East Tennessee State really struggled to uh, close out uh, their season. They beat Chattanooga on Saturday. Now coming into a, what should be a very competitive game against UNC Greensboro. I think that semifinal is going to be one to watch. Yeah, and I think both these semifinals are going to be ones to watch. They're both, according to Ken Palm, projected to be one-score, one-point games. And that's, of course, from the computer models. And according to his model, all four of these teams are top 140 teams, according to adjusted efficiency margin. But none of them are top 100. So all these games, no matter who ends up winning the semifinals, they should be really good and really close games, which is exactly what you want. Every possession matters for your life. In the, so, in the SOCON to move on and represent the SOCON in the NCAA tournament. It's just electric. I mean, UNC Greensboro, they won the conference and they're the best team in the conference, according to Kempom, outside of Furman. So it, it should be really entertaining. And I think that any of these teams are really capable of an upset. I mean, VMI was right there with Virginia Tech earlier this year. So right there, immediately after they beat Villanova. So you've already seen them compete at the top. The West Coast Conference tournament now down to its semifinals winner BYU and Gonzaga will enter the tournament of course this bracket style was designed to give the top two season advantage over everyone else uh, Gonzaga and St. Mary's and then Purdue uh, not sorry Pepperdine and BYU uh, so it has played out according to seed 
really exactly how this bracket has been designed. Uh, and really, this is the way the West Coast Conference wanted this to happen. Everything down exactly to a science, except for the 6-7 game and the top four seeds and made it to the semifinals. Yeah, and it, it was weird because when I did this breakdown and looked at the bracket, St. Mary's ended up being the four seed over Loyola Marymount. And I'm like, why is that? And then St. Mary's goes out and beats Loyola Marymount. So like you said, it's not just built to to give the top two seeds the advantage. It's built to honor the regular season. You got to win in the regular season. And the more you win in the regular season, the better yourself. You're going to give your chick. You're going to give yourself a chance to rep the West Coast Conference in the NCAA tournament. Now, I mean, Gonzaga is almost a shoe in every year to be an at-large team, even if they do get tripped up like they did a couple of years ago to St. Mary's. And frankly, I think that's the way that a lot of these conferences should look. Like if you're if you're finding yourself not putting your best team forward, just a team that won three games in a week, and you end up getting killed in the NCAA tournament every year because of it, you should look at the West Coast Conference and say, all right, you know, they have a really good top tier teams and they almost never get knocked off in the NCAA tournament. And you wonder why that is. It's because the other teams, they have to play more games to get there. And at that point, their legs are a little tired playing a much better and fresher team. And they really got to be on their full four to go out and beat them. And it just doesn't happen. And that's why you see Gonzaga face either BYU or St. Mary's almost every year in the West Coast Conference Championship. The Patriot League Tournament, maybe the one seed there, went down against Loyola, Maryland, which sets up a 9-4 game. Loyola and Army West Point, while Bucknell, the 60, knocked off Lafayette. It seems like Bucknell always comes around this time of year to play at least somewhat well, no matter what ends up happening in the regular season. So Colgate and Bucknell will play in the second semifinal out in the Patriot League. We talked about the one seed at the top. Navy was one of them that just didn't have it. No, and they played a team that they're frankly much better than. And Loyola Maryland didn't even have to play their first round matchup because they got that free win against Holy Cross. So really weird how that ended up turning out. Uh, sucks for Navy and Cam Davis had a really good season, but didn't didn't play well when it mattered most. And that's unfortunate for them. And congrats to Bucknell for being a team not named Lehigh because uh, they hadn't beaten a team other than Lehigh all year. But they did it when it mattered most. They knocked off number three seed Lafayette, and now they put themselves in a position to where they get a shot against the best team in the conference in Colgate, and if they can find a miracle way to somehow win that game, which they are massive underdogs in, they have a chance to represent the Patriot League in the NCAA tournament. Let's talk about some upcoming conference tournaments now. We're going to start off with the tournaments that start the earliest going toward the latest, at least the ones that are out. Their brackets are out as of recording. The Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference Tournament, uh, Sienna earning the number one seed of Monmouth and St. Peter's of the two and three. Maris and Niagara have a four-five matchup on Thursday, March 11. Uh, Quinnipiac and Iona in the three-nine on Tuesday. Fairfield Mayhem the seven-ten on Tuesday, and Canassus and Ryder on Monday. So tomorrow. The Metro Atlantic has been a conference that really is always worth watching, at least, at least to me. Um, it seems like there's always a, at least a decently entertaining team that comes out uh, of this. Uh, and I think that if we're going to really, um, for me uh, anyway, St. Peter's, depending what side of the ball you're on, you have a really bad offense, but also a defense that is nearly the top 50 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Yeah, and I mean, 
compared six to all the rest of the teams in this conference, that is a really good defense. And it's going to be intriguing because, like you mentioned, Sienna, they, they came in as big favorites early on in the year. They've lived up to that billing going 12-4. and four. Can another team knock them off? Iona, Coach Patino, can he get the job done? I don't know. They, they certainly haven't played a ton of games. So the chemistry between them might not be great. And same with Canisius. So it's going to be intriguing. And you mentioned St. Peter's. I think they're the most interesting team to watch because they have boomer bust potential. And if they play well on offense for just any get, any given game, they're going to beat almost anyone they play. The ACC tournament starting on Tuesday. Uh, Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, and Georgia Tech earning double buys to Thursday's quarterfinals. Mad respect to Georgia Tech for earning that double buy to the quarterfinals. Clemson, North Carolina, and Louisville, the five, six, and seven seeds, will get buys to the second round on Wednesday. While Syracuse and NC State will have a second round matchup to prepare for on Wednesday afternoon. Duke and Boston College, the 10 15 matchup on Tuesday. Uh-huh. By the way, thank uh-huh. goodness that Duke did not earn the 11 seed so that we wouldn't be plastered with Duke, North Carolina have hype for a second round game in the, in the ACC tournament. My goodness, would that have been an awful? They would have had to beat. They would have had to beat Wake Forest, Nick. Okay, you, you can't you can't discount anything with this Duke team. Okay, tournament team Duke. Yeah, it's just uh, been very interesting with with the, with the way Duke's been playing. Uh, Notre Dame and Wake Forest, the eleven fourteen matchup, Pittsburgh Miami of twelve thirteen. I mentioned it earlier, but props to Georgia Tech for earning the double bye uh, in the ACC tournament. They have definitely been a team that has really risen to the occasion over the last several weeks. They've won their last six games, and they have come from a team that was five and six in ACC play and nine and eight overall to currently be in 11 seed in the bracket matrix and being in virtually every bracket. Yeah, I mean, I think they've played themselves into being a tournament team, which is wild. And, you know, obviously the storyline about this conference this year has been Duke, which is kind of a shame, but. I actually like where they got seeded out in this tournament because they should beat Boston College, who's been really bad this year. They're going to match up against Louisville, which isn't a bad matchup. They're a team in the tournament. If you beat them, all of a sudden you're looking good. And you get Florida State. And Florida State outside of Tallahassee has been abysmal. And they got stomped by, by Notre Dame, who is not a good team this weekend. If Duke can somehow win that game, they're all of a sudden in a spot where they're right on the bubble. And that's not what we want. Uh, it's not what, frankly, anyone, no one wants to see this Duke team that frankly doesn't deserve to play in the NCAA tournament unless they win this conference. Uh, they, they've put themselves in actually a decent spot. Syracuse, they're also a bubble team. I think they've also put themselves in a good spot because they play NC State, who ha- hasn't been that good this year. And if they end up winning that game, they get a matchup against UVA, who anyone can beat on any given day if you just show up and you make your shots. And if they end up doing that, then all of a sudden, I think they've played themselves in as well. They're currently on the bubble as well. But if you beat UVA, it's going to be hard-pressed to keep you out of the tournament. And then they'd face either, assumingly, Georgia Tech or Clemson. And then another team to watch out for is Pitt. We know that Champagne can ball. And if he comes out and plays well, they could certainly beat Clemson or Georgia Tech. So the ACC tournament, a lot of storylines going around on it. And Virginia Tech, they haven't played – frankly, at all lately, only played 20 games so far in the year. They haven't played in over a week. And even before that, they played two games 
prior to that in February. So they're coming in, I guess, cold, uh, two and four in their last or two and two in the last four, just haven't played a ton of games. So I think they're a team that's, uh, that UNC could certainly knock off, help their seeding a little bit. Yeah. And, and Syracuse, what a win they would be able to get against Virginia. Um, for Duke in particular, you mentioned a lot about that. Do you think a spot in the semifinals of this conference tournament would be enough for them to get to the NCAAs? Uh, I'm going to pass that on to, to Joey Brackett's Joey Lenardi. I saw like he said, he, they need to make the finals at least. Uh, so that, that's not my answer. Uh, a Duke, not a tournament team in my eyes. They, they don't deserve it unless they win this championship. Now, I mean, if they end up beating, let's say Louisville, Florida State, and then UNC or Virginia Tech, all of a sudden three teams that are in the field, it's going to be hard to keep them out. But I really don't think they deserve it unless they win this conference tournament. They've just been too up and down all year. They've showed no signs of consistency. 11-11 in, frankly, what wasn't like that tough of a schedule. And then going 9-9 and in ACC regular season play in a very down ACC year. You don't deserve to be in the tournament. There, yeah. There's no other way around it. And yep. you have three three-game losing streaks in a year. Why do you deserve to be in the NCAA tournament in, in a shortened season? It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yep, I, I'm right with you on that. Uh, and that they are going to have their work cut out for themselves. And I mean, I mean, you 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 do get through to the semifinals. You at least guarantee yourself two games above 500. But you're you're right. Like that's a team that just. It's not a team that really deserves much of an opportunity. I would uh, no. pretty much agree with you uh, and, on that subject. And I deserve a lot of credit for my jinx on the last episode because they had a great opportunity to play themselves possibly into the tournament. And I said, I said, Nick, I'm going to go out here and uh, I've been wrong about this team a lot. And I'm going to call them a tournament team. They're going to fail me. And I knew exactly what I was doing when I said that. And they did exactly what I thought they were going to do. They lost both games. And that was uh, an impressive jinx for me. And I, I deserve credit because no one wants to see Duke. Duke's consensu- consensually the most hated team in NCAA basketball. And I think that because of my jinx, they will miss the tournament and definitely nothing else in terms of their three-game losing streaks and anything else. I'll, I'll take the credit for them missing the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it really is a, uh, a spot that is going to be uh, interesting to watch Duke and see uh, – if they can actually play decently or if they can uh, really just choke themselves out of basically anything uh, at that point. The Southland Conference Tournament, the Southland Conference has been a very interesting conference to watch over the course of really the entire season. Uh, It's definitely been a spot that this conference has had pretty much good games on a weekly basis. They have been that good. Um, and you'll see uh, Nichols and Appling Christian and St. Houston State, those top four, uh, top three seats rather, are going to be an extremely interesting position uh, for them. But really, what you're not going to see is Stephen F. Austin. Um, unfortunately, Stephen F. Austin, um, they are banned for the postseason uh, for this season, and the NCAA did approve uh, that request from the athletic department um, for that to end up happening this year rather the next year. So it'll be Nichols, Abilene Christian, same as State. It means Northwestern State uh, bumps into the number four seed, which of course is critical. That is a bye to Thursday's uh, third round uh, quarterfinals, if you will. 
And I think that between the top three seeds, you're going to see a very interesting basketball being played. Yeah, because no other team is inside the top 275 in terms of Ken Palm outside of those two, uh, outside of those top three teams, because they're all, frankly, got to be relieved that Stephen F. Austin is not tournament eligible because you look at the rest of this conference. I mean, New Orleans is in the top 300, and then every other team is outside of the top 300. This is the third worst conference, according to Ken Palm, and you're going to look at Nichols. Abilene Christian and Sam Houston State. And frankly, they're just going to roll through these tournaments. And Sam Houston State is almost a lock to face Abilene Christian. And then whoever wins that game should face Nichols. Now, key word there, Nick, should. Yeah. We've, we've seen madness so far this March. Why not in the Southland? I mean, yeah. Ken, Palm, Ken Palm's going to say otherwise because those three teams, uh, with the exception of Nichols, I mean, all of them have – a negative two or better adjusted efficiency margin. And then every other team outside of New Orleans, I mean, New Orleans is negative 9.96 and they're the best team outside of the top three. So I think that says a lot about where this conference is. Uh, the Sam Houston state should handle their business against either Lamar or Incarnate Ward or Houston Baptist, depending on who wins that game. And then Nichols, should take advantage of Northwestern state or whoever they play, because frankly, they've been much better all year and the numbers back it up. Yeah. And, and, and I'll look at Apple in question. I think that if they uh, advance their way through, I think they are the most likely team to uh, pose a danger to uh, a top seed in this, in this 37th and adjusted offensive efficiency, the number one defensive turnover percentage in the country at 27.1%. Uh, the one downside to have a question is that their free throw percentage could be a lot better at 67.9%, but certainly they are in a critical situation to where I think Abilene Christian can't get the job done. I yeah. really think that that is a team that, I mean, they are the best team in Ken Palm, likely because of that defense. And I think everyone really just needs to be on full alert when it comes to that conference tournament. Conference USA. As we talk about that a little bit more, of course, divisions here too. Why you have divisions, I have no idea. Uh, probably works a little bit better in a bigger conference like Conference USA, but still, division in college basketball, get rid of it. Uh, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech won their respective divisions with UAB and Oak Dominion earning the other two double buys to Thursday's quarterfinals. Marshall and North Texas finished third in their respective divisions. UTSA and Charlotte and Florida Atlantic and UTEP will end up being four or five matchups cross-divisional. And then the bottom two teams in the divisions, Rice and Southern Miss in the West Division and Middle Tennessee and FIU in the East Division will play it out in Tuesday's first round. We've talked a lot about how Western Kentucky is very good, but also Louisiana Tech, UAB, North Texas, all in the West. It does seem like the West is just a little bit stronger um, than the East. Yeah, and Western Kentucky has been the story of this conference all year because Charles Bassey is frankly one of the best players in all of mid-major college basketball. And they've put themselves in a situation where they played a really tough schedule. They're able to pick up some of their wins, but they also dropped some of their games. But there's four other teams in the top 100 of Ken Palm in Conference USA. So it's not going to be smooth pickings for Western Kentucky here. It should be, frankly, very entertaining. And I look, I look forward to watching a lot of this conference unfold because teams like North Texas, really solid. 
UAB, really solid. Louisiana Tech, really solid. And they're all defensive-minded teams, similar to Western Kentucky. The, the outlier is Marshall. They're 82nd in Ken Palm. That is second highest, only behind Louisiana Tech. They're 52nd in offensive efficiency, 129th, and they have the 17th fastest tempo in all of college basketball. So they're an impressive team. They could really stomp the floor with you, or they could just fall flat if they still make their shots. Another team that's really interesting, University of Texas, El Paso. They beat Arizona State earlier this year, and what was really an abysmal matchup for, for Arizona State, it frankly was just disappointing, and that was really the point where we're like, okay, like, is ASU, like, really bad they ended up being really bad beat them by 13 and then this last week they're beating kansas in allen Fieldhouse by double digits for a large part of the game and then kansas stormed back i mean at one point you finally reached over the the 50 win probability and at their peak they had a 68 win probability and then kansas ended up coming back it was just wild so i mean if UTEP can play like how they did against the higher level of competition, like Arizona State, even Arizona, they only lost Arizona by seven or by eight, and they've been an impressive team all year. UTEP, I think, is certainly a favorite to be an upset bid potential. They play FAU in their first game, and then they play Louisiana Tech, who is, I think, the second seed uh, based on the bracket I have up here. They, they won their division. And like you mentioned, divisions suck. Get them, get them out of here. Get them out of here. Divisions are for football. Yes, so thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Retweet. Uh, but I think that UTEP could definitely cause Louisiana tech some problems and they, they beat them once in the regular season and then the other game they got stomped. So they've already done it before. I think UTEP is definitely the team to watch out for. If you're going to see, I don't want to say a bid stealer because I don't think any of these teams are at large teams. Maybe, maybe Western Kentucky if they no. lose in the final, but I don't think they are. Uh-huh. I, I said, I don't think they are Nick, but uh, <laughs> maybe if there is one, it's them. Yeah. I don't think there's any maybe about that, uh, but certainly I don't even think Western Kentucky would be the best probability for this conference for an upset. You look at just purely the numbers, you're looking at a Louisiana tech or, or, or North Texas uh, for that. And particularly North Texas with their slow tempo. So I, I think that Western Kentucky would be really good for storylines, but you look at a team like North Texas who has really needs to pick it up. They've lost their last three games uh, being swept up by UAB, another good team as far as uh, defensively goes. Uh, they, they, have, they definitely have the numbers there. They just don't shoot the ball very well. And you look at Louisiana Tech, that's probably more about right as far as a team that definitely could upset someone if you just look at their campaign profile. So I really think that when it comes down to it, one of those two teams is probably going to end up being uh, your best bet. Uh, the Big West Conference Tournament moved to Las Vegas this year, um, trying to get a, a better bubble situation for themselves set up. And they have definitely been able to do that um, within Las Vegas. Much improved team. They're up five spots in the conference ranks from last season to number 15. And when it comes down to the scene, UC Santa Barbara at the one, UC Irvine at number two. UC Riverside and Hawaii with a 3-6 matchup. Bakersfield and UC Davis in the 4-5 matchup. And then in Tuesday's first round, Cal State Northridge and Long Beach State the 8-9. And Cal State Fullerton and Cal Poly in the 7-10 matchup. UC Santa Barbara, should they win this conference tournament? Should they win? Because obviously one team's been going down like flies. That is a team and it's going to be very, very dangerous to somebody in the NCAA tournament. 
Yes, and I predict they would they would be the upset team and they would end up winning this conference the regular season. Uh, it was one of the few that I actually ended up getting right. I picked Iona to win the MAC, and that just did not go well at all. But yeah, you mentioned they're a really good team. Really slow tempo, like you mentioned, 306th in adjusted tempo, according to Ken Palm. And they're top 85 in both adjusted offense and adjusted defense. They are, frankly, just the best team in this conference. Now, UC Irvine, we all know they have the tournament prowess. They've been the team that's represented this conference, I mean, just about every year. There's been a couple of Cal State Bakersfields. Uh, but I think that UC Santa Barbara, they should handle their business here. UC Irvine, if they do get in, 39th in adjusted defense and 214th in adjusted tempo. I mean, they only average two more possessions for 100 minutes. I think that's how adjusted tempo works. So the difference between 214 and 306 isn't that much. So they have a very slow tempo as well. I think that if they win, or even UC Riverside, 71st in adjusted defense, 258th in adjusted in adjusted tempo, 145th in offense, could certainly be upset caliber. You know, the Big West, UC Irvine's always a fun team to watch or a fun upset pick, especially when they didn't lose at all in 2019 going into the NCAA tournament. And there's just easy pick over Kansas state. Uh, I think UC Santa Barbara, if given the right matchup, they could definitely be that pick currently slotted as a 13 seed. That would be, be an interesting matchup. Who do you get? If you get a team like Virginia team, like Texas that has struggled recently, it could be interesting. It could be fun to pick them, but the big West, that they got to get there first. And there's certainly upset teams out there. Like I mentioned, Riverside, they're right there. Uh, Cal State Bakersfield, 138th in adjusted efficiency margin. And they are the sixth seed in this conference. So you never know. There's teams to watch out for, but UC Santa Barbara has been the best team all year. And I think they should get the job done. And how about UC Riverside as well? They got a a little bit more of a messier camp pump profile than UC Santa Barbara does, but that's a team that 71st in defensive adjusted efficiency. They, they tend to do pretty well in the shooting numbers. Don't force a ton of turnovers, but also don't allow a ton of offensive rebounds. And the big thing for the Riverside is that they are 20th nationally in three point percentage at 38%. That could be a team Ooh. that could give a UC Santa Barbara some problems. They have not been swept in any series. They have beaten every conference team they have played at the very minimum once, uh, if not twice. So I definitely think that UC Riverside could, they could also cause some problems uh, in this conference tournament. I would not be shocked if UC Riverside, you know, should they not make the final, um, that's not an easy out. I don't think that anyone's going to have an easy time um, getting UC Riverside uh, knocked off. Uh, the Big East Conference Tournament. This is going to be an extremely fun tournament to watch. Villanova, Creighton, and UConn, the top three seeds, will have to wait on first-round matchups to get their uh, quarterfinal matchups, while St. John's and Satan Hall will play in the 4-5 game. That right there is going to be one heck of a 4-5 game, considering the fact that Satan Hall absolutely needs to win some games in the Big East Tournament, and St. John's is not an easy out. No, and they were up 18 nothing against C against St. John's yesterday. I saw that. And I they cannot lost believe by, that. They've lost by 10. Well, I was at the pool yesterday, uh, and it was just on the other TV because there was some, like, NASCAR or something that I don't care about. People like NASCAR. I respect NASCAR, but I don't care. And then the game came on. It flipped over to the game. It was already eight minutes in progress. They're, down, they're up 18 nothing. 
and they lost. They've lost four straight. I, I really think that this team had so much tournament potential and they've just thrown it all away. I mean, having three of your last four on the road certainly doesn't help, but you cannot lose to Butler and you can't lose to them by nine. Like that's just really bad. I think they've really played themselves out unless they find a way to beat St. John's and then beat Villanova and then I guess lose to either Creighton or UConn. But even then, I think they've really just done it to themselves. Looking at the bracket matrix, I mean, they're still in 33 brackets, but that's without the loss to St. John's unless the people put in their brackets immediately after that and then the bracket matrix picked them up. It'll be interesting to see where they're at tomorrow on the bracket matrix because I think that's going to be really telling. The Seton Hall's done it to themselves. But the team I look out for, I mean, Villanova, they obviously lost Colin Gillespie earlier this week. They, they were still able to beat Creighton. Uh, prayers up to him. We'll see if he ends up returning to college basketball for a super senior year or if he goes to play elsewhere. And then Creighton, they've they've had a rough week. Uh, the stuff with Coach McDermott has been certainly terrible. I mean, he did that to himself. Yeah. Uh, you could have used any other word. Yeah, literally uh, besides, any other word. Literally. Besides the word, besides the word plantation. We don't need to repeat what he said, but he used that word. And like, you just, should know better, man. You should yeah. know better. No, it, so they, they ended up killing, I forget who they played yesterday. It wasn't a good team, but they ended up killing them. Uh, and, and then UConn, we've talked about them all year. Peaking at the right time, James Book Knight is back. And I think they could definitely win this tournament. Uh, they, they played themselves in the NCAA tournament. <clears throat> they put themselves on the bubble with their performance without him. But Book Knight has come back. RJ Cole playing fantastic basketball recently. UConn, if they can find a way to get off that 8-9 line, they're 100% a team that can make a run to the Final Four. They are that lethal. And even if they are on the 8-9 line, they could be one of the few teams that I think poses a threat to the one seeds being Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Illinois because it's almost seemingly locked up that way with the way that Illinois has played this past week. They're 100% my team of the week when we talk about them later. They beat Michigan and Ohio State on the road. I mean, you can't have a better week than that, Nick. No, you, you really can. And, you know, and I'll spare you the thought of that since this show is pretty much designed just for the, the conference tournaments. But you're absolutely right. I mean, that Illinois team has pretty much locked that up. Uh, back in the subject of the Big East tournament, though, uh, the first round games on Wednesday, Georgetown Marquette, the 8-9. Providence and DePaul, the 6-11 game. Xavier mm-hmm. and Butler, the 7-10 game. Xavier, one of those teams that currently is on that bubble status. Um, where do you think Xavier needs to be in order to pretty much guarantee themselves a spot in? Well, I mean, it's a tough spot for them because they play Butler, who is just not good, the second worst team in this conference. They do have a couple of wins. and I mean, they went 8-12 in conference, so they're not terrible, but you have to beat Butler. And the way they play with a 60th in defensive efficiency and 317th in adjusted tempo, they're a tough out. They're, they're not an easy win, and they're going to have to beat them. There's no other way around that. I think if you lose to Butler, you really put yourself in a tough spot, although they are the top 12 seed according to the bracket matrix. I mean, you don't want to put yourself in a position to where you're, you're really sweating it out and then bid steals come in, like per se, in the Mountain West. If a team, if any of the three teams end up winning that conference tournament over San Diego State, that's a bid steal for sure, because San Diego State's locked themselves up. Uh, depending on how the committee actually views VCU or St. Bonaventure, I mean, I think the Bonnies have played themselves in 
and VCU has done their part, which we already talked about earlier. I think Xavier has to beat Butler and then they play Creighton in the second round. And then it's like, okay, like, do they have to beat Creighton to get into the tournament? I think that's a little unfair. They did beat Creighton last week and they beat them actually pretty handily. They controlled that game from the jump, but that of course is what caused the plantation quote from coach McDermott. So we kind of just wish Creighton beat Xavier. We'd be in a different situation right now, but I think Xavier has to be Butler uh, to round up my really long answer that really shouldn't have been the song. And then <laughs> they don't have to be Creighton. They, they need to look good against Creighton. Yeah, they do. That, that eye test is going to be very, very critical. And quite frankly, if Xavier just puts up a bomb against uh, Butler, perhaps Satan Hall jumps into the mix as a team that could overtake Xavier based on Satan Hall's performance in the Big East tournament. And, you know, that's where a team like St. Louis is just – looking at the chops, just hoping and praying that a team like, like a Xavier, like a Michigan State in the Big Ten, just does not do their job in the conference tournament. Uh, and, and even a team like Boise State, for that matter, because um, Boise State, we'll talk with the Mountain West tournament right now, they got, I think, about the worst-case scenario in a 4-5 matchup that coming against Nevada. I think that's about the worst possible case that Boise State would have wanted for themselves. No, and they got screwed because let's be real here. The the conference going and adding more games for the for just no reason. Craig Thompson, what are you doing? You add conference to to boost their resume. No, why? It, it doesn't do you any good. Now, thank God San Diego State ended up handling UNLV because then this conference would have been in a really bad spot. But Boise State getting paired up against Fresno State. What, what does a home win over Fresno State do for your resume? It does nothing. What is that, a quad two or quad three win? I, I, I don't need to even look at the net. But a mind-boggling decision by Craig Smith or Craig Thompson to do that, rather. And then Utah State they handled their business against Fresno state. Like why Fresno state get put in this position to where they just had to be the villain of this conference. Cause then Colorado state loses to Nevada and Nevada is a very scary team going into the mountain West conference tournament. But what are they doing adding these extra games? And it really ended up haunting every team with the exception of Utah state who is already on the outside of things. But uh, it's just painful because now all of a sudden Boise State against Nevada, that's not an easy win. Boise State already lost twice in Nevada. Utah State, they're going to get UNLV in Las Vegas. They always do well in the tournament. Then Colorado State, they should handle their business against either Fresno State or New Mexico. But we just saw Fresno State knock off Boise. So I, I don't even know what to do with Mountain West. Uh, it, it's it's a really tough spot. Craig Thompson did it all to themselves. Yep. It, it went from a potential three-bid league to now it's just one team and the other teams have to play their way in. And if you're a Colorado State or Utah State on the outside right now looking in and one of the other teams gets knocked off per se, like let's take advantage, let's take example Colorado State, and you want to face you want to face Utah State in that semifinal because a win over UNLV or Air Force doesn't do you any good. Uh, and then all of a sudden that it just ruins the conference. And it's really unfortunate because I think all four of these teams are tournament caliber just from watching them. They've been impressive all year, but 
it's tough to say that now with what they've done in recent weeks. And Boise yeah. State's coming in stone cold. Utah State, they're, they're fine. They're really good defensively. They're an upset team if they end up finding their way into the tournament. And then Colorado State with Isaiah Stevens and David Roddy and then a couple other role players around them. They're a really solid team. And unfortunately, Grant Sherfield had other plans for them in their, their resume. A really talented team in Nevada. They're scary. I, I think they could beat Boise again for the third time. And then at that point, this conference is just way up for grabs. Now, I looked at Lenardi earlier today. And he had both Boise and Colorado State in the first four and then Utah State as the first four out. So, I mean, he views them, and he's he's considered the like best bracketologist. I don't know what I'm doing in terms of resume, but I, I don't know with these resumes if they should be in the tournament. And now, and by the way, you mentioned the, the Boise State Christmas Nikki quad two, quad three. I'm actually going to do one better. That was a quad four loss, my friend. Oh, no, no. That was a quad four loss, and it's not Craig, getting out of there. Craig, Craig, why would you do that, Craig? Yeah. Because, I mean, it was funny seeing, like, all the media guys, like, for San Diego State that I, of course, followed, not just for the San Diego State coverage, but also Padres coverage, because that's, that's where my money really is. And they're all just, like, everyone, everyone in this conference was upset. It's, like, and everyone knew that this was going to happen, because it just happens every year. When you try to schedule extra games, you try and boost the resume with a little, little, little nice win, and it just ends up failing, because Fresno had no pressure on them. They said, all right, cool, extra game. Let's go out and get some practice for the NCAA tournament. They ended up beating Boise. Uh, it's, it's really frustrating from, from an outsider. And I feel bad for Boise because there's no way Leon Rice and company wanted to win this game. They're a good enough team to beat San Diego State, though, in the semifinals. And if they beat San Diego State, I think they should definitely be in, whether they lose to Utah State or Colorado State in the final. Yeah, if Boise State lose to Nevada, I really don't think they deserve it. I mean, and when you include the quad four loss now into the picture, I honestly think they almost are going into that four or five game in a must win situation, which is awful for Boise state that to be put into that position. But I truly think that's where we are uh, with Boise state that they have to win against Nevada. And then we'll see where things play out from there uh, in the mountain West. But yeah, it really comes to the territory of, you know, you're trying to fulfill your TV contract. You're trying to make some games up. But, but you're right. The best thing to do would have just have been, you know, we're not going to play these games. There's no benefit to us. Because at the end of the day, it's almost that financial risk of what do you weigh more, the NCAA tournament blocks financially or your TV contract? And it just makes for an interesting case there. But, you know, if they had to make them up, you had to make them up. I'm giving this weird year. And unfortunately, did the Mountain West zero favors whatsoever. Let's talk about the Big Sky Conference here with Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, and Weber State picking up the top three seats, Idaho State and Montana State in a 4-5 Thursday quarterfinal with Montana, Idaho, the 6-11 game, Portland State, Northern Arizona, the 7-10, and Northern Colorado and Sacramento State, the 8-9 matchup in Wednesday's first round. There's a lot of offensive-heavy teams in the top three of this conference, which typically is not the way you want to be weighted when you're going up against a really good team to try to pull off an upset. But very fast tempos, in particular, Eastern Washington and Weber State. And this is a very tight conference as well between these three, those, those three teams for seeding positions. So that is definitely a spot to where who knows what you, what you, you may get uh, out of those top three seats. 
Yeah, and it's going to be interesting. And there's always a weird spot for this, but you mentioned there's the top three teams. There's a couple other teams that are like, you know, borderline potential teams that could, you know, cause an upset early on in the tournament. But it's really between Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, and Weber State. Eastern Washington was frankly the clear cut favorite coming into this coming into this year, and they just haven't really lived up to expectations. I mean, they went 12 and 3 in conference, but they haven't been as dominant as everyone expected them to. It'll be interesting to see if they can live up to it in the conference tournament. And you mentioned the the offensive prowess for the top three teams. But I mean, even you look at the tempo, these teams they try and run fast, and that's just not a recipe for success going into the NCAA tournament. So I think that those three teams, Southern Utah, Eastern Washington, or Weber State, are certainly going to be one of the three teams that end up winning this whole thing. But I think looking ahead to March Madness, I don't think these teams stand a chance. The Mid-American Conference, some action. And Toledo earning the number one seed against Ball State in the 1-8 matchup on Thursday. Buffalo, Miami, Ohio, the 2-7 game. Akron Bowling Green, the 3-6. And Kansas State and Ohio, the 4-5. I really think that as good as Toledo's been this year, I actually think that when you look at the Kimpom weights as far as offense and defensive efficiency goes, Buffalo looks like a more balanced team. And they have the seventh, seventh fastest tempo in the, in, in the country. So Buffalo could be a very intriguing number two seed and also Kent State for that matter at a four seed, but a very balanced team as well. This could be a very chaotic conference tournament. And even Ball State has given some teams trouble so far this year, being 145th in adjusted efficiency. And very already, balanced at that. Yeah, they've already beaten Toledo this year. And I mean, outside, they beat Bowling Green, who came in this year as a expected team to be one of the best teams in this conference, haven't lived up to that at all. It's going to be a really interesting tournament. And like you mentioned, Toledo, they have an incredible offense, like 14th in adjusted efficiency. So, I mean, like if you have an offense that good, you're certainly an upset caliber team in the tournament, but they got to get there. And there are a lot of teams that could definitely knock them off. I love Ohio. We've, we've talked enough about that team earlier on this year and how they ended up competing against Illinois. And Jason Preston is one of the best players in this conference. And I, I love him. I don't understand how he's not a top five player in uh, in all Kempom team, according to Kempom, obviously. Uh, but, and then Buffalo, their team, certainly interesting. And then Akron, Bowling Green, really interesting first-round matchup because, like I mentioned, Bowling Green came in to the season as the favorites. They haven't lived up to it. And Akron's been the better team. But who knows? The talent on Bowling Green could certainly stand out. It's going to be fascinating. None of these teams really fit the profile, except for Buffalo, as being that upset team in the NCAA tournament. But that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Some good action here, Nick. Yeah, and, and you are uh, dead on with that. Two more conference tournaments before we wrap up the program. Uh, the MEAC tournament being one of them, a uh, conference that typically is one of the weaker conferences uh, in the entire country. Uh, Coppin State and North Carolina NT earning buys to Friday semifinals, while Thursday's first round games will feature Florida AM and Morgan State, and also Norfolk State and North Carolina Central. Really a conference that is pretty much a, uh, an annual spot in the first four uh, up for grabs. That does not really change much as there is no team that can palm top 200 coming from this conference. Though it is interesting, Coppin State has the fastest tempo in the entire country. 
Yeah, I was about to point that out. They're the number one seed here, representing one of the the Northern Division. Once again, divisions are for football. Get them out of basketball. Uh, we love football. Not dissing football, but we are dissing divisions. And yeah, like you mentioned, first four. I mean, they're the second worst conference according to Ken Palm. Only better than the SWAC. And you know these teams, they're they're, they're fun to watch, especially Coppin State because they just run the floor. And they have a good defense, so you never know. That's just a weird team to watch. But uh, the clear teams that you, you should be watching out for are Norfolk State, Morgan State, and then NCAT and Florida A&M. Those are the teams in the top 300, according to Ken Palm. And you look at it, and Morgan State is the three seed in the north, but they get a matchup against Florida A&M. That should be a fantastic first-round matchup. And then North Carolina A&T, they get that first round by. That certainly plays to their favor. And it's going to be an interesting team. It's going to be an interesting tournament to watch. I don't think it's really going to matter in the green scheme of things because, like you mentioned, first four typically. And the first four being all on Thursday, I can't figure out if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the first four just for, like, watching purposes. But you'll have to give it a try. And you'll probably be watching the winner of the MEAC in that. And then the Western Athletic uh, Conference tournament, the, so the WAC, maybe we should make waxion a thing if 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 we can. Uh, Grand Canyon, number one seed. Big shout out to Grand Canyon and Bryce Drew, you're number one, getting Grand Canyon over that hump of winning the conference. Of course, partly because of New Mexico State being as poor as they were, but really, I'm not gonna give New Mexico State a lot of slack just because of all the chaos they had to really go through mm-hmm. with oh, this yeah. with the state and what they had to really, really do. Uh, Utah Valley, the number two seed. Uh, New Mexico State and UT Rio Grande Valley in the 3-6 matchup on Thursday. And Cal Baptist and Seattle in the 4-5 matchup on Thursday in the first round as well. Grand Canyon, much better than everyone else. If you look at the Ken Palm, um, they is a little bit more of a defensive favorite team. So they definitely have a, a, a decent profile. It's messy, but it's decent. But what they really have is that they, they nearly beat Arizona State at home. And by the way, they should have beat Arizona State at home. And then they only mm-hmm. lost to Colorado by 10 on the neutral floor nine days later. So Grand Canyon, should they get over that home? Grand Canyon's an, an interesting team to uh, at least have an eye on. Yeah, I actually really like them as an upset caliber team. And I don't think they're on a lot of people's radars just because they're not a team that you typically see in the tournament, but they're always consistently up there in terms of the whack. They've fallen down, and I'm going to just make the case for them here. Now, their, their star player, seven-foot center, Osborne Mishgard. I don't even know how you say that. I, I attempted it. Give me some credit there. Uh, and then Alessandro Lever, six-foot-ten senior if they're projected at the 16 seed and they end up winning this tournament, they're going to move up to a 15, maybe even a 14 seed. Put them up against a team like, say, Iowa or Alabama and a team, I don't know. They, they would be a really fun, like, 15 to 2 upset pick because I think this team is certainly better than where they put themselves in terms of that, that seeding. Now, they've lost three of their last five games, and that certainly doesn't look good for them. And I don't know if they're going to win this tournament. Ken Palm certainly says they will, but New Mexico State, they have that tournament prowess, and they, they, they played a lot better down the stretch to end the season, uh, but they, they didn't play a single game on campus this year, playing on the road, like you mentioned. It, should, it was messy in New Mexico. 
They run that very slow tempo, and they're a very balanced team. They're an interesting team to watch out for in this bracket. And they get UT Rio Grande Valley in the first round, and they should handle business there. Yeah, they, they should. And it'll be interesting to keep an eye on New Mexico State because maybe when you put everyone on a neutral floor, I mean, maybe it could benefit New Mexico State more than they've had to travel pretty much all the time. So they are extremely used to it. And it, it could give them uh, some benefit, but – I think that Grand Canyon, is, it's it, for me, it's more of like a, a fringe upset caliber team, uh, if you will. Don't think they're quite there, but, you know, you get the right match against a team like Iowa who doesn't like to play defense very much. Um, and if you, put a, if you put a seven-footer who's played well all year up against Luca Garza, we've seen some centers just get, just bully Luca Garza. Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis beat him twice. We, we, we've seen it happen, and – I, I don't know. It would be a fun upset pick. Now, would I pick against Iowa? No, because I think they're a Final Four caliber team. But it, it would be fun. And that, that would certainly not be a good first-round matchup for Iowa. And you got to hope the committee doesn't do it to them. Yeah, and, and I really think that, that that'll, that'll be interesting just, just to really keep an eye on, on Grand Canyon. I really think that Grand Canyon, that's a program that has been wanting for so long to really get over that hump, to improve their stature. And it seems like now, at least in the regular season, they finally done it. Can they do in the tournament with the expectation of them to do so? That, that it, to me, is going to be a big, big step for this program. Can they get over that hump of the West Jefferson Conference Tournament? That's going to be fun to watch. And, of course, this entire week is going to be just so much fun. I cannot state enough. Follow us on Twitter at College Bonanza. We're going to have all kinds of content there. We may even have some daily stuff for you on your on podcast platforms. If you're listening to this right now. So keep an eye out. Never know you're going to get this week. Of course, with academics, we're both very busy. But, you know, if time allows, we could definitely put out a lot more content this week. Conference tournament championship week. It's going to be all kinds of fun. Uh, but for Dominic's joining Nicholas Hodel, this has been the latest episode of the College Basketball Bonanza. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter, like I mentioned before. And also keep an eye out for the next episode of The Bonanza on your favorite podcast platform. Have a very, 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 very good week, everyone.